Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A child care desert is defined as any postal code area in Canada that has at least three children for every one licensed daycare space. Just not enough spaces for kids. And according to a report published Tuesday, uh, nearly half of younger Canadians live in a child care desert. And David McDonald is a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives who co-authored that report. And he's with us now. Thanks for being here, David. Thanks for having me. All right. So I'm looking at these numbers and uh, they are sobering to say the least, kind of scary. Were you surprised by the number of or the lack of number of daycare spaces? Well, this is a common complaint of parents. Well, there, I mean, there are two common complaints of parents uh, for, for child care in Canada. One is that wait lists are long and the other is that fees are high. Um, we actually, this is actually a repeat uh, of the study that we did in 2018. And so in that regard, it's not that surprising to me because we had similar results when we did the survey back then. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's quite similar. Little has changed over the last five years in terms of the percentage of kids that live in childcare deserts. Um, and so one of the reasons why, why, uh, I wanted to redo this was to uh, certainly see if anything had changed in terms of the count of kids, but also to get kind of a benchmark for this new national childcare plan. Um, you know, much hullabaloo has been made of the national plan, which was very focused in its initial phases on reduction in fees. And so for most parents across the country, um, uh, they will have seen already a fair reduction in fees. The other issue is that wait lists are long. Uh, and so this is an area where there has been much less action, uh, in large part because it's harder. So if you think of trying to reduce fees, uh, it's really a cash transfer. You know, the federal government ended up paying a portion of the child care fee. So um, that, you know, administratively certainly takes a while to get into place, had to sign up all the provinces and territories. And that was a fair amount of work. But that's the easy job. I mean, the hard job is actually creating more spaces. Um, and so I wanted to get a picture really at the start of this process of, of where things are at in the hopes that they're going to improve over the next couple of years as part of this national strategy. Um, really, uh, you know, huge differences depending on where you live in terms right. of likely it is you're in a desert. Different by province, difference depending on where you are in the province, different depending by city, different depending where you live in a city. Uh, and so, you know, there's maybe the optimist in me says there's there's plenty of room for improvement, as it were, across the country. Is it, is it a general thing where in rural areas there are less spaces, in urban areas there are more? Who are the people who are affected the most? Yeah, I, you know, in terms of the broad trends, uh, we broke up postal codes into rural postal codes, uh, postal codes for small towns of under 100,000 people, and then postal codes in big towns or big cities, rather, over 100,000 people. Uh, and the trend, uh, as you point out, is, is fairly straightforward, that uh, you're more likely to live in a desert if you're in a rural postal code. Uh, gets a little better if you're in kind of smaller towns compared to rural areas. Uh, and it gets better still if you're in cities over 100,000 people. One of the things I think that's worth pointing out is that's, while that's true generally, it's not always true. 
it, it's not that it's not that just because it's rural you can't provide enough spaces. Uh, it's just that uh, that that does seem to generally be the trend. Uh, you know, there's a lot of rural areas in northern and eastern Quebec, uh, but nonetheless, you know, they've managed to provide adequate childcare there. Um, huge differences even between cities. So you get some cities, Whitehorse, Charlottetown, the Quebec cities, um, on a city level, uh, rank much better uh, than places like, say, Saskatoon or Regina. Um, you know, they have five five times more access in ethnic to childcare as you'd find in Saskatoon or Regina. And then even when you look in these big cities, you do continue to see some common trends. It's not it's not quite as universal again. Uh, but common trends being that if you're downtown of a big city, you've got more childcare spaces compared to the number of kids. And when you get out to the suburbs, I mean, this is still a city, right? I mean, you get out to the suburbs, uh, it's childcare deserts in the in the postal codes that you know that that surround the city. Not always the case. You end up with with the situations like Vancouver, where the whole downtown is a big childcare desert. Um, but that's for specific reasons as to how they develop childcare. And so, you know, a lot of this is based on the history of 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 how uh, the construction of new spaces was supported over time and why it was supported. Uh, and so, there, you know, there, I think we start to need to come, we need to come to terms with that. Um, when we when we speak about the the, the, the national plan, uh, it's great that spaces are much more affordable. That is absolutely a key part of a national plan. Uh, the trouble, of course, is that that substantially increases demand. And if you're not going to match that new demand with new spaces, then you end up with massive wait lists. Uh, right. And so the folks who manage to get in the door and get in off those wait lists, that's great. They've got really affordable childcare. And then the problem for everybody else is they don't have any childcare. Right. Uh, so over the next couple of years, the real challenge in my mind is really to target, is to increase the number of spaces, certainly, but to do it intelligently. So it's not just, um, you know, more spaces in downtown Toronto. Uh, but it's more spaces in the suburbs of Toronto. It's more spaces in the rural areas of, you know, wherever, Alberta. Um, and that's if, you know, if we just sort of leave it to the market, quote unquote, uh, the market locates spaces where it's most convenient for providers uh, or for the companies that run childcare. Uh, it's not they're not going to locate those spaces where it's most convenient for the kids or the families. You know, think of like a public school system. We don't locate public schools where it's most convenient for the principal. We locate public schools where the kids are. That's not actually how we've located childcare historically. We've just kind of left it up to individual providers, individual parent groups to kind of open a daycare wherever they want. Uh, whether that's where there's 10 other daycares or whether it's a childcare desert is kind of up to them. We're talking to David McDonald, the senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, the co-author of a new report showing all the childcare deserts in Canada, all the areas where there are just more kids than there are spaces. And David, you talked about uh, the difference between, uh, you know, public schools and private daycare. Public schools are very strategic, obviously, in where they are, because like you say, they go where the kids are. But uh, daycare is a, is a is a kind of a private thing. Does that have to change in a big way? Yeah, I mean, we have to we have to think differently about uh, child care, that it isn't just a private business. It's not a private enterprise where, you know, it's whatever the market will bear. This huge reduction in fees means that fees are no longer what the market will bear. You know, it's it's now under, you know, government funding. And in terms of the creation of new spaces, 
um, this can't just be left up to wherever the market wants. And we have to have a lot more public planning. I mean, the reason why uh, public schools are located where the kids are is because there's no private interests whatsoever. I mean, you have school boards, right? They're a public entity. You elect people to them and then they sort of, you know, work with the maps to locate the schools and so on. Uh, there isn't there isn't a there isn't a private, you know, for profit uh, motive there whatsoever. Um, right. And so I think we need to start thinking about childcare in that way as well. Um, and particularly when we start to create new spaces now in a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the spaces and many of the many of the big provinces are private for profit. Um, and so and those those folks are still signed up to the big national program to reduce the fees and so on. Um, but because the coverage rates are really relatively poor in many of these provinces, the real question in my mind is about expansion. So who does the expansion? Uh, is it you know, or do we give incentives to for profit providers to build wherever they want? Uh, and and make the system more expensive in general at the same time as not even necessarily locating the spaces where we need to locate them? Or do we push more of a sort of a public school board approach to childcare? Um, and so this, you know, this this question now is being grappled with because now we're facing uh, this issue of how do we rapidly expand the number of spaces? And we need to rapidly expand the number of spaces. Um, when we think of the expansion of spaces, we often think of the capital costs of doing that. You know, you've got to build a building, you've got to renovate some space so that, you know, it meets standards for for uh, for child care. Um, but, you know, the, the bigger issue uh, is likely staffing, interestingly. So, David, you talked about staffing as one of the reasons for this pretty much epic lack of daycare in this country. And one of the reasons has got to be that working conditions and pay are are not as much because uh, daycare tends to be a private business. Usually they don't get paid as much money as a public school teacher. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it was already an issue prior to the pandemic. It's become much worse post pandemic um, just because a lot of workers left the sector due to burnout. Um, now the sector was never, never a well-paying sector. Being a childcare worker was not the road to riches by any stretch. <laughs> um, the jobs are poor quality in many cases, insofar as they're temporary work, they're not full-time work in many cases. Um, and, uh, so there's, there was a, there was a, there was a big turnover problem prior to the pandemic and it's much worse now. And so the issue around expansion is that we may well be able to build these spaces which which frankly takes time i mean this is the other piece of it right um it was it was easier to set up these transfer systems from the federal so the federal government in essence pays the fees sort of thing um than it was to build new buildings and renovate buildings um and so in terms of this this uh lack of of child care staff you know sometimes folks think that it's about training about getting more folks with ece credentials that's partially true, but there are a lot of people already with ECE credentials who've worked in the sector for a couple of years and realize that the pay is pretty lousy. Uh, you know, you get paid a couple bucks above minimum wage, like not good working conditions, uh, and they went on to do other things. And so retention as much as training will be an issue going forward. Um, now, you know, the, these these issues that we're discussing here are not new, nor are they necessarily a surprise to childcare officials across the country at provincial governments. Um, and they make up actually, you know, these, these make up part of the agreements between the provinces, territories, and the federal government as part of this new national strategy. Um, so in, in many of those agreements, you've got a standardized um, wage grid, which sta attempts to standardize wages across the province. 
Um, that not, doesn't necessarily mean that wages are higher, uh, but it does mean that at least there's a bit more standardization and, and um, transparency. Uh, but the, 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 the real issue will likely be that you've got to increase wages and um, the quality of employment if you want to retain workers, um, particularly if you need a, not a lot of new workers like this has to actually be an attractive place to work versus some place that people go because they love. And then after a couple of years, realize that love doesn't pay the bills. Right. Another job. <laughs> the kids are cute, but they're not that cute. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking to David McDonald, senior economist uh, with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. They just co-authored a report showing just the lack of number of daycare spaces for kids in Canada. In certain postal codes, it, it's it's a serious, serious problem pretty much uh, right across the country. So let's talk about the long-term effects of this. I mean, I, I've read a bunch of articles in the last few days about this. So many heartbreaking stories of of people who have had to quit their jobs, for example, and it tends to be women um, and people who have literally moved because of this. Like what what do you see as the the biggest and worst long term effects of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm 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 in Ottawa right now. So we live right across the river from Gatineau, um, where there was a huge difference in fees until just last year, whereas it was much, much cheaper in Quebec for or, uh, you know, high quality daycare compared to Ottawa. Uh, and folks would consider, you know, do I, should I move to Gatineau because the childcare is so much cheaper, at least for the first, you know, four or five years. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was certainly a choice that people made. Um, now I think, you know, the fees argument is, is going to pass by the wayside. And now the issue will be, can you get on wait lists early enough to get a space? Uh, before you need it, before you've got to go back to uh, back to work, say, a year after a child is born. Um, one of the goals of this program, interestingly, as was the goal of the Quebec program when it was created in 1994 at $5 a day, was to increase labor force participation, which is to say, uh, if you have super high fees for childcare, people won't go back to work and it's the, the people here that I'm speaking of is, is almost always women because they're uh, usually the younger in a couple and usually the lower paid in a couple. And so if you're trying to figure out, you know, who shouldn't go back to work and stay at home, and take care of the kids, it's usually the woman. Um, now, uh, and so the calculus goes that, you know, why go back to work when all you're doing is paying daycare fees? You're not actually getting mm -hmm. any further ahead by by being employed all day. Um, and so people would make those types of decisions, right? Particularly for infants, which is the younger age group, you know, you know, it depends on the, the, the province, but it's, it's, you know, below 20 months or so it's 18 months in Ontario, it's below 20 months or so would be considered infant and their fees are tremendously high. And so it's often that you would kind of think about, well, maybe we should maybe just not go back to work for a little while longer and wait for the kids to be slightly old enough to get into the toddler program. Um, now, of course, the, the big issue is fees are much lower, but if you can't get a space at those lower fees, then you can't go back to work. And so one of the big benefits of higher uh, labor force participation, particularly female labor force participation, is higher family incomes because people are working. So, you know, you're if you're at or near the poverty line, you get a lot more benefit from two people working rather than one. Um, and there's also arguments to be made around economic growth uh, because you've got more people working. Uh, interestingly, right. that also means more income taxes being paid, again, because more people are working. But all of that is premised on the ability 
of people to get a space. If you cannot get a space, none of that comes to fruition, even if fees are low. Right. And so um, you need to have both. You need to have lower fees that that changes the incentives, but you need to have a space. And so we're, you know, the lower fees we're, we're on track for, the having the space piece, we're really not. Um, and uh, there's, there's plenty of room in, for improvement. And, you know, it's this will become the dominant issue over the next couple of years, I think, when it comes to childcare. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.